This week on Missions Today. How is my work contributing to this great commission that I'm now becoming so passionate about? It was almost confusing, to be honest. And it's not just a matter of, oh, you learn how to love people in church and you need to love people in workplace. It's not just that. It's something broader than that. So yeah, that that was kind of what got me really seriously thinking about relooking at how I'm living my life and how I'm spending my time. How are you spending your time? What is the focus of your heart, your mission? Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today from Resource Global. Clara Mack, our guest today, was born and raised in Hong Kong. Education and a quality career were her primary goals. And then one day, as often happens, things began to crumble. It was then that Clara began to ask some of those hard life questions. A faithful and persistent friend invited her to church and things began to change in her heart. Through a dramatic step of faith, Clara stepped aside from her prominent career position to seek what the Lord had next. And now she helps others process those tough life questions as they seek to integrate their faith and their work lives as well. This week, hear the story of a young lady who's daily growing in her faith and in her commitment to bring hope to the world. A heart for the nations in Hong Kong. That's our topic this week on Missions Today. Hey, Clara, we welcome you to Missions today. Tell us a bit about your faith journey growing up. So I'm typical, born, raised in Hong Kong from a Chinese family. Um, I was introduced to the faith actually by my family. So we went to church together when I was a little kid. I went to a Christian school, so got to know God through that. So when you asked me, I would call myself a Christian. But now looking back, I think I was more a Christ believer, more than a Christ follower. And then as life is in Hong Kong, kids usually get pushed through the education system. So studies are first and then we graduate um, and then friends are first, relationships are first, work is first. So all the distractions that you can imagine kind of like big here in Hong Kong. So I think I kind of went along that path like any other typical Hong Kong young person until about eight years ago, I think was the first time I hit my first valley, I would call <laughs> when things started to fall apart, not just in relationship, but the work that I took a lot of pride in and worked really hard for kind of started to fall apart. Health-wise, started to hit some roadblocks and it started to, like the bigger questions in life kind of came. That was kind of the first time I would really consider myself seriously looking at my faith and really trying to understand who God is. And so, yeah, that's when a, a friend um, invited me back to church and I said yes for once because previously I was kind of too busy for God, so to speak. But at that point, I think I had had more time um, for God and thought it's about time to really take a serious look at my faith. Came back to church. God is good. Like he, he, he took a year or two to really heal me from what I was going through at that point out of a heart of gratefulness, I think. I really I decided to devote more of my time to understanding who this God really is join a lot of classes at church, the fellowship and communities, um, started serving, etc. And that's when I really started to have a relationship with God, not just knowing him from the books, not just knowing him from school or from my parents, but having that feeling that a lot of Christians would tell you that's unexplainable, that encounter with the Holy Spirit, and just knowing real, like on a personal level, that God is our true father. I think like fast forward, kind of Past three years, I think, was critical in terms of push factors, both in career-wise, but also pull factor as I got more involved in church in discipleship, especially in also missions. I had a deeper understanding of what the Great Commission really is and kind of started to question where my time and how my life should actually be lived. 
And in light of that, again, long story short, I made a bold decision end of last year to resign from my corporate career without having a plan B, actually, still waiting for God to give me clear directions. I felt the the right next step without having all the answers, the right next step was to resign and to patiently wait on God and faithfully follow step by step. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I want to, I do want to go back and touch on some different areas. Let me take you back kind of to those uh, high school and university days. You talked about the push toward education, the push toward a career. What was in your mind at that time of what you wanted to do? What was your desire? Where did you want to be in your career? Hong Kong's a financial center. Um, so typically, either you go into finance or you go into the top profession as a lawyer, as a doctor, as an engineer, as an accountant, professionals is kind of where most of the Hong Kong students would be ushered into, would be these paths. So I was one of them. So like by God's grace, I had the skills to study. I studied well, achieved well, gone to um, top university, top degree in business. And so, yeah, I joined a bank um, as a management trainee. Again, one of the... <laughs> very sought after kind of starts to a career and kind of followed that path, like climbing the ladder year by year, just working really hard, putting in the hours, work, work, work. Yeah. So that was kind of the first part of my my career, I think. Talk about those years in the bank. And again, you're walking up the corporate ladder. Uh, what were you thinking during that time? Were you happy? Were you engaged in life? Did you feel like you were where you wanted to be, needed to be? Uh, maybe even a learning, uh, learning that you took away from that time. If I'm honest, I totally enjoyed those years. And, and I think God has been really gracious to me. Like the first seven, 10 years of my career, like in banking and consulting, professional services, project management, I actually felt I was in the right spot. So I worked hard. I was rewarded. I met a lot of nice mentors. They guided me along my career. I've given a lot of opportunities. I was actually a privileged group. For many years, I felt I was exactly where I was meant to be. I was thriving. I was enjoying it. I was on top of my game. A lot of people would be almost envious of what I had in terms of career and my family and, and, and everything, achievements, so to speak. It's not until when things get out of control. I think one thing I believed was I worked hard for all of this and I followed the right path and I did the right things. And therefore, I deserved to be in a place where I think I should be until this rule doesn't apply anymore. So as I said, it was a point where I did all I could, like in a relationship, I was being a good girlfriend. At work, I was working really hard. And and, and, and health-wise, I'm exercising and things, but how come things still crumble? And that's when, for the first time, I realized, well, hang on, it's really not about me working hard and I'd be able to achieve and I deserve it. It's probably something beyond me and beyond my control. So I think one takeaway from that period was as much as, yes, we make the most of opportunities given to us, because either you would say it's given by the world, but yes, God allowed for those things to happen to me and God allowed for those opportunities to come my way. So it's only right for me to be a good steward of those opportunities and blessings. But then to a point where I step over and become prideful to think I am the reason that I'm blessed in this way. I am the reason and I deserve these blessings and these rewards. I think that's where it comes in conflict with the truth. And that would be, I think, the biggest revelation for that first part of my career, I think, and takeaway. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. Don't go any further than you want to in this uh, conversation related to this piece, but I think it's critical to take a moment and look at that you know, eight years ago period where you think said things just began to crash. You said you felt a little bit like things were out of control, things were falling apart. 
what kind of things were going through your mind about making decisions, about am I in the right place? What kinds of things were you processing during that difficult time? Before I was brought back to church, when things started to crumble, I tried to continue to use my old way, which is control and work harder and harder and harder. (laughs) So taking more control and holding tighter was the way I did it. And the way I processed it was a very as I was trained a business analytical way, making a decision pros and cons, weighing the risks, the rewards versus the effort in order to decide, should I switch jobs, for example, because I wasn't that satisfied with what I had? How do I deal with the relationship that was obviously starting to crumble? And the approach I took was a very worldly approach, but it's a very common approach that most of us take and are even trained to take, right? Nothing against business because business is also part of work in God's its creation, basically, and, and productive in a way if seen properly. But when brought to the extreme, when you overanalyze, when you over control and when you overweigh effort and reward, that's when it goes over the board, I think. So yeah, the approach I took back then was really not the right one (laughs) until really thank God and really thank that sister who mustered up the courage to ask me one more time (laughs) to come to church because I had rejected her many times for those many years and and it was only when I came back that when I heard the, the teachings of the Bible which are actually quite radical like don't think of reward when you love people like what right there's no free lunch right but no like you're supposed to love and give and care for people without thinking what they can give back to you you're not supposed to control you're you're not supposed to know beyond a one year three year five year plan you don't need to know beyond five years before you take the first step like all these truths and these wisdom from the bible when i heard them really challenged my worldview and and decision making process and um, if i'm honest like From then until now, it's been another eight years. I'm still trapped, actually, sometimes. I find myself still trapped in that old way of thinking. When there's a deadline, when there's a decision to be made, I'm still using those ways with the experiences (laughs) that I'm gathering and kind of God coming through again and again. It's kind of taught me that, no, 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 like, you really don't need to grasp on so tightly. Like, no, 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 it's really not on your shoulders to do certain things. And some things you really don't need to know. That's where faith comes in, right? That's where space, that creating that space for surprises to come in and not things that happen based on what you, like my limited brain knows is just really limited. Like, why don't I open up for surprises and things outside of what I know? Before we get to kind of modern day, how important was that friend and her persistence in your life? (sighs) Super important. At that point, honestly, It was less the persistence. It was more the fact that she had been by my side all these years, even when I was not in faith. I had that trust in her and she had, she knows me that well, that at that point, when she asked that question, I knew it wasn't because of any other agenda. She purely wanted the best for me and therefore extended that invite. And of course, persistence in a way like she still had that boldness and the courage to ask me, <laughs> but she wasn't the type who asked me every single week and bugged me. But instead of spending time to bug me, she spent time to have that relationship with me, even if we never talked about God and church and the Bible in the previous eight years. She got to know me. I got to know her. We, we interacted in just the normal way that anybody in this world, Christian or not, would interact and care for each other and help each other. And it's when that moment comes that she felt a sense from God to extend that invite and it was the right time in my life and that that was 
that was when the miracle happened. Uh, you, you talked about after you started back to church, kind of a year to two years of just really deep learning, uh, maybe a couple of things that rise to the top of your mind that were just Im really impactful to you during that first year or two years? I'm privileged to be part of a church that is really resourceful. So there are two to three classes happening every single Sunday. And so I just joined all of them. I think the fact that the more I studied or the more classes I joined, the more questions I had, that really intrigued me. The more dissatisfied I was with what I thought I knew. That was what continued to guide or lure or keep me interested to, to seek more. So instead of just sitting at a class for four weeks and listening and absorbing, I finally really opened the Bible and not just picked scriptures here and there, but like literally opened the Bible and start reading it. Instead of just sitting in a congregation being prayed over, I, I had that motivation to really try it out for myself and start praying and putting in order certain cadences. I wouldn't name, there's just so many things I learned in my head through those one or two years being immersed in, in, in all the classes and community. But um, coming out of it, I think, is a next level of humility to know that there's more out there than what I think I know. And the more I seek, the more intrigued I am by the mysteries of it all. You've mentioned a couple of times uh, the word community. How important has that community been to you in this process? It's been several communities, actually. And it's also something I'm learning recently or trying to relearn the definition of what community really is. I think it's a lifelong process because we're all humans, right? Like, so all, all communities are consist of humans and we all come in with our own baggage and flaws and sins and pride. So there are bound to be hurts as well or disappointments along the way. But I think it's all part of the learning process. So it's one thing reading the Bible and praying and learning it, but it's another thing really living it out and then realizing, oh, that's not what it actually means. Or somebody does something to you and as you see them, you can actually realize what you see in them. A bit of it is in yourself as well. So it's almost like a mirror. <laughs> and then you realize, okay, <laughs> it's not about showing the, just the best of who each other are, but it's also opening up and showing maybe the worst side of each other. And I think the best part of it is when you open up and show both the best and the worst parts and you're accepted. I think that's when the true community and most valuable community comes together. And it's not common. I'm sure a lot of us will know and it takes effort and it takes two or more, like everyone needs to play their part to be the one to give, to love, to sacrifice upon someone else instead of going into a community thinking I'm there to be loved and to receive and to be uplifted. You'll get that, but it, it's it's more turning it the other way around, which is like referred to business just now, right? It's like how much investment you give and how much reward, right? But I feel truly like in God's kingdom or the truly Christian community, it's almost the other way around. Like, don't think about how much the reward will be before you invest, so to speak, right? Just think about pouring out to, to people, et cetera, like the reward will come. Maybe not even in the state or the way that we think it will come. But um, um, I have trust that God will surprise us. Amen. I like that. You talked about becoming aware now, coming closer to modern day. You, you became more aware of, of the opportunities of, of ministry, and, and specifically you, you talked about missions or the Great Commission. Tell me a little bit about that awareness beginning and, and where that was taking you. So amongst many of the courses that I had a chance to join, one particularly struck me three years ago. It's called Kairos. So it's a it's a 10-week 
course where we dive into the biblical foundations and also the history and also the strategic way to go about missions. And even the word missions, to be honest, before I took the course, I had a very filtered and skewed view of missions. You might think of mission trips, right? Like you go for two weeks to a place and you kind of try to spread the gospel and you come home and everything's the same again. Yes, that is one type of mission. But more importantly, it's about it's about discipling God's people through many different means, through teaching them, through baptizing them, through demonstrating to them, through loving them, discipling God's people so that in this era, we can bring the gospel, the good news to all nations. And the good news ends in the salvation news, God's love and who God is news to all nations, not just people around us or not just the countries that we feel, oh, they're so poor, they don't know the gospel, but every single nation, every single ethnos, ethnic group. I think that new definition, and it, there's a lot to decipher in that, that's why it's a 10-week course, <laughs> but it's that change in mindset, I think, that really gave me a different perspective on life. So life is not just about you are born, you grow, you work, you get married, and then you get sick and you die. That's not life. Like the purpose of life, or at least this era, after Jesus came for the first time, before he comes back the second time, this era, there is a mission. There is something in God's plan that's happening during this era. And the fact that I am born in this era, there is something that God wishes for me to be part of in his plan. And so, yeah, that kind of gave me a better understanding of the Great Commission. And so therefore, as I was more and more intrigued by that on my Sundays, Monday and Saturday, I, I'm back at work and the disconnect is just becoming more and more obvious. Like, how is my work contributing to this Great Commission that I'm, I'm now becoming so passionate about? It was almost confusing, to be honest. And it's not just a matter of, oh, you learn how to love people in church and you need to love people in workplace. It's not just that. It's something broader than that. So yeah, that that was kind of what got me really seriously thinking about relooking at how I'm living my life and how I'm spending my time, including Monday to Saturday. You said you left the business world, this incredible career that you had put together, and there really wasn't a plan. Talk for a moment about making that decision. It was one that for anyone who knew Clara Mack for the past two decades would not believe I would make a decision like that. I'm a project manager by profession. Project managers have goals, have timelines, have resource plans, risks laid out, all of that. So had I had used all those skills to make this decision, this would not have been a decision. It's many things added together, I think. And it's God leading me step by step from someone who needed an answer of what next before I would even take the first step. He was gradually challenging my thought, like, what do you mean, Clara, by an answer? What type of answer do you need? And I said, I just need certainty of where you're leading me. What type of certainty? What are you not sure of? I'm sure God is here. I'm sure he'll take care of me. Is that not certain enough? What is the next step? I was saying, what's the next step I should be taking? Well, before where I'm heading, probably the next step is resigning. Like, I, It was almost a metaphor in my head at that point that came one day. It's like, I was asking God, where are you taking me? And I felt I was in a in a house and I was very uncomfortable in that house. And I just knew this is not the place I should be in. I need to get out almost to the extent that the backyard was on fire. I just needed to leave this place. 
but I was hesitant to leave because I was asking God, where are you taking me? Okay, I need, no, I need to leave this, but where are you taking me? Almost saying, you need to tell me where I'm going before I would even open the door to leave. <laughs> but that's so funny, right? Because as I know this is the place I need to leave. The first step is just to open the door and step out. And then I can turn left or turn right or walk forward, right? And of course, there were different verses as well. Um, I think it was Matthew 7, where I was sitting in one of the Bible study classes, and it was talking about the two paths. There's a narrow gate and there's the wide path. Um, we all know that. But I think one thing that struck me was the teacher was saying, um, God just wants you to make a decision. Because at that point, I was sitting on the fence, right? So yeah, I think there's many, many things like that. And it takes time. Okay, if one takeaway is it takes time and takes intentionality to listen. I think was one thing I held myself accountable to. I'm a very impatient person, so I wanted God's answer now, clearly now. But I think one big lesson was, no, God took his time for one whole year to step-by-step step bring me through. But it also, I think on my part, the intentionality to allow him to take me through each of these challenges and processing and steps. And And if I can maybe just add one more is there was definitely an element of fear. And I'll need to acknowledge that at many levels. And I didn't even realize or I wasn't ready to admit that I was fearful of taking this next step. It's so hard to say that I'm afraid, right? But when you're really honest about yourself, that was one big factor that was hindering me. The fear of making the wrong decision, the fear of having to take on the consequence, the fear of disappointing people that had helped build my previous career and disappointing them that because I'm saying no now, the fear of facing different people on how to explain myself. So there's a lot of fears that was created, but it's only when one of the mentors point these out that I realized, oh, okay, I, I need to admit it and face it and bring them to God. Uh, as we wind down, just two final questions. Number one, how did you become engaged with Resource Global and, and how has that impacted you? So the process I was describing just now happened last year mainly, the, the real the, the crunch, crunch time. And I was really grateful that I was I was introduced to Resource Global last year. So last year was the first year Resource Global was launched here in Hong Kong, more as a pilot program, because it was COVID, everything was locked down in Hong Kong. So we were purely online. So um, a pastor who was working with me, he got to know about this program and nominated me to be part of the pilot program. So that was my first encounter with Resource Global. And as I described, there was a lot of struggles and challenges. And the community within Resource Global really was very supportive. Not to say they were going through the same thing or they even understood fully but just the fact that there are other passionate faithful brothers and sisters that are also eagerly seeking God in their own journey and being able to get together monthly to pray for each other concern and learn and yeah and just to hear each other out I think was very helpful and the mentorship as well that one-on-one -on -one, that trusted environment to, to be able to share and to get biblical challenges as I as I processed, I think was great. It was a nine-month program towards the end of the nine month. It was almost where I was sitting on the fence, like Matthew 7, right? Like make a decision. And so the team asked if I wanted to to kind of join them in the efforts to launch this officially in Hong Kong. So that's when Tommy and the team kind of invited me to be the city director for Hong Kong. So this year is officially the first year that we have in-person gatherings. We have our local speakers, mentors, signs to, to 
to liaise or, or um, introduce ourselves to the churches and the congregations here in Hong Kong um, and just to explore what Resource Global can do for God's people here in the city. Pretty exciting. That's incredible. Uh, lo and behold, here you are now running the Resource Global City Directorship and just so grateful for your position there. Uh, finally, what is your hope? What is your prayer? You, you've already described your heart for the nations, your heart to share and to disciple. What is your prayer for Resource Global and the work you're doing in the, say, the next three to five years? I'm praying that God gives us the wisdom and gives us the humility to be able to see the city from how he sees it and be able to see the needs of the city and the people, brothers and sisters here, and be able to leverage what God has blessed this organization with and use it in the context of the city. It's a very unique city, as you would know, from its history, from its place now as part of China, but yet still very global and international. It's a very unique spot that we are in. And so praying that God will give us the humility to to not just lean on our own wisdom and knowledge, but to take from him the guidance and that he'll give us the wisdom so we can steward whatever he's put in our hands and to, to use it for, for his good and his plan. That will be my hope and prayer. What a wonderful testimony of what God can do with a life committed to Him. Have you made that commitment today? Have you said yes to what the Lord is asking you to do? You know, it might not be quitting your job or traveling halfway around the world. It might be as simple as walking across the street to your neighbor's house. But the question is this, will you commit today to doing whatever it is the Lord is asking from you? I pray you will. Well, my thanks to Clara. And if you'd like to learn more about Clara or her work with Resource Global, we'll link you in today's podcast notes. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, we're going to hear about a woman who's leading an organization that helps women serving Christ overseas to thrive. It'd be so great if you could leave a review on iTunes for us, rate the program, and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with others as well. Hope to see you here next week on Missions Today, a production of Resource Global.